0: This morning we have the great privilege of hearing from someone other than me. We like to say around here that we value many different expressions of Christian faith, and so we periodically actually do value them by getting a perspective that's not mine. This morning Mary Harris has agreed to share with us her insight from this text and how it relates to her own life. And now I know that you don't agree with everything I say each week. And you won't agree with everything a guest preacher says. That's not the point. The point is for us to practice listening to one another. To find areas of commonality on which we can build deeper relationships. And if you disagree, great. Because that's another opportunity for respectful conversation. As you may remember from last week, these Gospels that we are reading, we're reading the Gospel of Matthew. These are... Theological biographies of Jesus, written by believers for believers to help carry on their understanding of who Jesus was and the significance of what he did in the world. This morning's text tells the story of his baptism, which was and still is a hugely important practice for the followers of Jesus. But he didn't invent this. The practice of baptism had been growing in significance in the Jewish community for several hundred years. As they had been waiting for their redemption and looking for a Messiah, the idea developed that the preparation for the reign of the Messiah would be repentance. And baptism was a sign of that repentance. It was a sign of preparation, of being willing to prepare yourself for the arrival of God's kingdom. And Jesus' cousin, John the Baptizer, was one prophet who preached the message of God's coming kingdom and offered that baptism to people. Now, our Gospels are about Jesus. They're not about John. But scholars believe that John himself actually had a huge following. That he was probably one of the most significant prophets before Jesus. And that some of Jesus' disciples, and even Jesus himself, may have been a follower of John before Jesus' ministry started. He was powerful and influential and decidedly at odds with the religious establishment of his day. So let us listen now in the reading of scripture for the word and the wisdom of God.
1: is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear up the chaff and burn it with unquenchable But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to And said, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. The word of God to the people of God.
0: Thanks be to God.
2: Come on up. morning, everyone. Okay, today's text is full of a whole, whole lot, and it's like three major events, and if I were to talk about all three of them, we would be here for about three or four hours, and I don't (laughs) think you guys want that, so I want to point out one specific area, and it's not the famous one that everyone talks about, about the baptism of Jesus that Pastor Beth had uh, mentioned just a few moments ago, but I want to look at the the more laid back one of John the Baptizer. And according to the scriptures, John was a simplistic man, but he had a powerful message of repentance, and he had a powerful following of the people from Jerusalem and Judea and of the regions of Jordan. And regardless of the reasoning, even some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to be baptized of John. And it was like, if you just would step back and look at the awesomeness of the ministry that he had, some people were just amazed by it. But the fact was, the main part that I want to look at today deals with he played a vital role and he knew his role that he played in salvation was vital. But he was quick to admit that someone mightier than him was still to come. And in verse 11, John states that he was baptizing with water for repentance, but there was one that was more powerful than him that mm-hmm. would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, regardless of how powerful John's ministry was, he humbled himself. And he knew that after. Him was coming someone mightier than him who had the message of repentance into the Holy Ghost and of fire. And it was after he humbled himself that he got the opportunity of a lifetime. He actually got to baptize Jesus Christ, our Savior. And if you think of the awesomeness, just to to be able to baptize the Messiah, he, he stood back and he said, that he wasn't worthy and that he needed to be baptized of Jesus, but Jesus was letting him know to fulfill what needed to be done and to do it in the order that it needed to be done. Jesus was baptized of him. So we look at it as John humbling himself and going on and consenting and doing what was proper to be done. And in the church uh, that we are in, in the United Church of Christ, Um, we have this slogan that says that God is still speaking. And I agree with that, that God is still speaking. And I still also agree that God is still handing out opportunities of a lifetime. And just like John the baptizer got an opportunity of a lifetime to baptize Jesus, I stand here today, and I tell you that I am experiencing my opportunity of a lifetime. And I don't have enough time to go all the way back to the beginning, so I'll just tell you what's been happening lately. My opportunity of a lifetime is encompassed in the fact that God has placed me in a family called Zion United Church of Christ, a family who, when my basement flooded and I lost so many things Many of you guys came together, you rolled up your sleeves, you got down and dirty, and you helped dig me out. Your family who, when I was displaced and couldn't stay in my apartment for a whole week, You did whatever you could and I had an allergic reaction to some chemicals that were put down in my apartment, but my pastor did whatever she could to make sure that I made it through that horrible situation. I'm in a family who, when I had a concussion that caused my eyes to stop communicating with my brain, many of you stepped up and drove me all the way to Galloway, Ohio and waited while I went through vision therapy to correct the problem And it didn't work because it was only God that was able to correct the problem and make it so that I could see again and so that my eyes would communicate with my brain the way that it was supposed to because only God can do some things. God can bless the doctors and God can use the doctors. But then there's some things that only God can do in these bodies. And God proved to me that he was the one to bring the healing. But I'm in a family that when I had surgery on both of my knees, many of you guys were there to take me everywhere that I needed to go. A couple even allowed me to stay and camp out in their house for a couple of nights to make sure that I was okay. I'm in a family who allowed me to go through confirmation and to learn from an awesome God through an amazing teacher with an amazing classmate. I'm in a family who checks on me whenever I'm not here and sends me cards and get well wishes when I'm not feeling well, who supports me in whatever I do, who allows me to share when I'm learning with my Sunday school class and with the youth moment, who loves me just the way that I am. I'm in a family who allows me just to get a little rowdy every once in a while with my youth people in fun worship like we did the other day. And you guys may not always agree with fun worship, but you were willing to step out of your comfort zone and do it for us. And I appreciate that. And I'm in a family who allows me to stand before you today and tell of the goodness of Jesus and the everyday miracles that some people take for granted. And I appreciate that. And some people, they get to to the point that they think if God is not raising people from the dead, or if he's not giving you a brand new car for free, then he must not be doing anything anymore. But I'm here to tell you that God is still very much working and he's very much in the blessing business Every time I breathe in, God is still blessing. Every time I go to bed, God is still blessing. Every time I dress myself and feed myself and make my own decisions, God is still blessing. Every time there's a roof over my head and a bed to sleep in, God is still blessing. You want me to go on? Okay, I will. Every time I get with instead of going and I be able to feed myself instead of eating through a pick line and a feeding tube that I've had. I had five pick lines, one of which got infected and I almost died and they had to pull that one out and they put another one in and it messed up and they went on and on for five times and they finally got to the point where they said, if you don't learn how to eat on your own, you will die. We cannot put any more pick lines in you. Then they tried the feeding tube and the feeding tube wouldn't work. I can eat on my own today. God is blessing every time I think about the fact that the, for, it's been three years since my last stomach surgery after having a three-year period when I went through eight stomach surgeries and they still got to the point where my surgeon said, we're not doing any more surgeries on you because there's nothing that we can do to fix you. We've done all we can. We've removed everything in your in your abdomen except for a small pouch. And if the pouch doesn't work on its own, if God doesn't help you, you won't be helped. Every time I think about the fact that I get a positive report from the doctor, instead of the doctor telling me that my health is in the bottom 5% of mankind to the point that I, if something could go wrong, it would go wrong, and I would suffer the consequences, but I know that God is still blessing. Every time I think of the freedom that I have to serve and worship God, when in some countries it's a crime, and I could be thrown in jail, or even worse, I know that God is still blessing every time I look at a good situation or a bad situation or a happy situation or a sad situation and a scripture comes to mind to help me express how I feel and I know that God is still blessing and when I look out in the situations over my life and I see that I have the better of the upper upper hand and I know that God is still blessing and when I look out in the sanctuary and I see my son sitting in the sanctuary for the first time I know that God is still blessing. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out hallelujah. And I say, God is still blessing. Now back to the scripture. In the King James version of the Bible, there's 24 scriptures that use the word humble. And we're talking about John the baptizer humbling himself. There's 24 scriptures that use that word humble. That's one scripture for every hour of the day. And those scriptures, one in specific, this Matthew 23 and 12, which offers a promise that says that if you humble yourselves, you shall be exalted. That word shall gives you a, a promise. It didn't say you might be exalted or you may be exalted. Maybe it'll happen or maybe it won't. If you humble yourselves, you shall be exalted. John the Baptizer humbled himself and he got the opportunity of a lifetime. And thanks be to God and to all of you. He I'm living the best opportunity of my lifetime God bless you Amen.
0: As Brian comes back to the piano I do want to do a little bit of reflection Thanks Yeah. yeah. Amen That's good stuff Isn't it yeah. Praise the Lord God is good What you heard this morning falls in the category of testimony, which simply means one person speaking about her experience of the goodness of God in her life. That's all the word testimony is. One person sharing about God's goodness in their own personal experience. It is a description of recognizing grace in the midst of every circumstance. And whenever we recognize grace, our response is joy. And joy is contagious. And so this morning, I invite you to be infected by Mary's joy. We usually close with a little bit of quietness, which is fine. We'll do that this morning. But maybe you feel a little bit stirred up. That's good. Allow that energy of joy to be in your body. You might want to close your eyes to help you focus. You might want to keep them open and meditate on some of our beautiful stained glass, the colors that express joy. But I want to invite you this morning to recognize where grace is active in your own life. Maybe it's not in miraculous healing or a brand new car. Maybe you recognize grace when you are surrounded by people who love you. When you're not as sick as you used to be. I have that testimony too. it is in your own life, take a moment this morning to recognize that grace, especially if you're in the midst of something difficult. The grace is always there somewhere. And whenever we recognize that grace, joy is our response. Once you have recognized that grace this morning, allow yourself to feel that joy. It is just as real as the suffering. And even more important... say a closing prayer. God of all grace, help us to see you showing up in our lives and to share our joy with others. Amen.